that the church, it's not this building. This church is the people who are sitting in these chairs tonight who, who have, are followers of Christ. That's the church tonight. We get all, all crazy stuff about buildings. And listen, I love buildings. There's not a big building I don't go by and think, that'd be a cool church. <laughs> and I rebuke the owner. I hope in their business. No, I'm just kidding. You know, we don't want them to go out of business, but they could just get really blessed and give us the It'd be all cool. But listen, I believe that I have a word for the church. And can I tell you tonight, church, the church existed in the past without me. The church exists in the present with me. And can I tell you, if Jesus tarries, the church is going to exist in the future without me. It exists today, and it will exist in the future. And as long as there are men and women who are willing to put their faith in Jesus, then the church is going to be on this earth. <clears throat> and we live in a world church that is systematically trying to defeat, trying to come against the church, the body of Christ. And can I tell you tonight, we're fighting a losing battle. You may be going through some stuff in life. You may be having, having all these people come against you because of your faith and your stance in Jesus. But can I tell you, they may come against you but they're fighting a losing battle. I believe tonight that God's got an encouraging word to tell you that you are on the winning side. And, and you know what? As we go through this world and this church type thing, she may get kicked around. She may get knocked around. But can I tell you that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church as long as you and I have breath in our lungs, as long as we are proclaiming the name of Jesus, the church is going to be here. Jesus told Peter, he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He didn't say we wouldn't go through stuff. He didn't say that they would not try to come against us. He didn't say any of that, but he did say they will not win. And that's something to shout about, church. We're winners. 22 days until we celebrate the birth of our Savior, and the question of the night's going to be this. If we as the church will prevail, and we will because Jesus said the gates of hell will not come against us, then what's our part in the prevailing of the church against hell? You see, you've got friends and you've got loved ones that don't know Jesus. You've got people that you come in contact with at Walmart that's looking at you at the 20 item or less line and you're trying to shove 40 items through. They're looking at you and, and they're looking to see Jesus. And we need, I love what a couple uh, big time pastors said, that, that we need to live a cut above. Not that you're better than anybody, not that you're perfect, but we need to be willing to live above to set the example of Jesus. Listen, I don't think Jesus would have took 21 items through the 20 items or less checkout. Unless he's in a hurry. Just kidding. But what do we got to do if we're going to be part of the prevailing church? How do we need to live our lives? Philippians 4.13 says, 4.13, 3.14, excuse me. One that we always talk about, it says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. Slap your neighbor, punch him, don't punch him. Slap him, give him a high five, and just say the word with me tonight, press. Come on, church, say it out loudly, press. 
We're going somewhere tonight with this word. We're going to press. We're going to press on. We're going to press through. We are going somewhere tonight because I believe that I'm sitting in front, standing in front, excuse me, of a bunch of dangerous people. Why are you dangerous? Because you've got the power of the Holy Spirit living inside you. You've got a hell that wants to come against you. But I'm standing in front of world changers and God chasers and the gates of hell will not prevail against this church or the church universal church. Come on, let me tell you tonight we're going somewhere let me say it one more time like you mean to say press I'm pressing toward that mark listen here's the deal I'm a fan of high school basketball there's two kinds of people Leighton and Seth they could play I could be a fan me and Nick but one of my favorite things about high school basketball was the press I know we live in a culture that everyone wins and everyone gets a trophy and they were all equal in all things. And can I tell you tonight that we're all created equal, but we're not all, we don't all have equal ability. Can I say this is the most politically correct way possible? We don't all win. In life, you don't always win. Everybody doesn't get the trophy. You don't get 25th place in baseball. Here's the thing. The object of the game of basketball is to win. No one wants to run around saying, we're number two. Unless you're in the emoji movie. <laughs> anyway, I would love to watch high school basketball. At the time, I watched a lot of the Bernie Mules. And they had this amazing press, and they would just eat you up with it. And they would, just, they would just push and push and push. And, and they were like all over you. And at, at points it was almost violent. And, and, and they were just, and, and it wasn't just Bernie. Bloomfield did it and Dexter did it. Dexter didn't do it very good probably but because they're Dexter. But anyway. Sorry. <laughs> That's why you take the offering at first. But, but they would press. And here's what I hated about it. I'd be watching the Bernie Mules or whoever, and they would get this really cool, comfortable lead. And then the coach would pull off the press. You say, well, Pastor Kent, you got to be fair. you got to give a chance. No, you don't. You want to win. And I think that's what happens so much in life. We get to moving toward the cross. We get to pressing toward the cross. And maybe we get a little, little, little confident. Maybe we get a little comfortable lead. And we kind of pull back. Listen, it's high school. Back. I say hang 100 on them. If we're going to win, we're going to win big. The Bible tells us to press. The Bible tells us to move. Pressing is you're, you're moving somewhere. You're going in the direction. You're, you're, not getting, you're not letting up. And can I tell you tonight, God wants you to press forward. God wants you to get the cross of Calvary in your eyesight. And he does not want you looking back. He does not want you looking to the right or left. He wants you going somewhere. And he wants you to bring as many people with you as you can. Listen, I love this sanctuary. But the assembly, maybe, Dwight's going to be like, don't say something stupid. You maybe need to be a, build a bigger sanctuary. I believe that God's people needs to be in a constant mode of growth. Well, Pastor Kent, I don't want to go to a big church. Don't read the Bible then because Jesus preached 3,000 people got saved. 
It's about big because when Jesus came and he gave his life on the cross, talk about the biggest win. Could you imagine Jesus on the cross and said, Father, it is finished, but we're going to give the law of Moses a little bit of time too because everyone wins. No, he defeated the enemy. He defeated all that stuff, and he gave it all for you and I, church. Press toward the mark. Stay focused on the cross. Don't look back to your old life. Here's the funny thing about looking back to your old life. When you begin to look back at it, the enemy begins to say, well, that wasn't so bad. I mean, there was a lot of fun stuff going on back there. And as you begin to look back and you lose your focus and you stop pressing toward the cross, you begin to lose out where God wants you to be. We do not have time to play around with this thing. God is serious. He is seriously looking for men and women who will say yes to the call of, that God has placed. God hasn't called me to be a preacher. Yes, he has. He may not call you to be a pastor, but he's called you to proclaim the gospel. Press toward the mark. We need to keep pressing toward the cross. Well, Pastor, it's offensive. The Bible says the word of God is offense, offensive because it makes people uncomfortable, because it requires a responsibility in the way that we live our life. Church, can I tell you, it's me and Jesus, and I'm pressing on. Sorry if, sorry if that offends you, but I'm on an all-out press to the very end of my life. Like, I'm much younger than Pastor Dwight. Not much. But I've got 52 years behind me, and I don't know how many ahead of me. But I'm going to keep pressing. And I don't care where you're at in your walk with Christ. you got to keep going forward. Keep going forward. I have the cross in my view, church, and I'm not going to look back. Did you hear that? I'm not looking back. Here's another thing I really, really, and you're going to find this about me, I really loved about the press in high school basketball, and especially Boot Hill, Missouri basketball. Like, where we're at now, they play all sissy basketball. You're like, oh, he touched me. I like the press because it's physical and almost violent at times. They push, they, they shove, they elbow, whatever they can do to keep that person from getting scoring the goal. And it causes the opposition to mess up. That's the whole thing. Get them to mess up. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says, And from the time of John the Baptist, from the time that John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcibly advancing and violent people are attacking. I love this verse. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. In other words, we are forcefully pushing our way through this dark, gross, messed up world with the, with, with the message of the gospel, with the message of the light. Listen, there's no time to say, well, well, they'll just come in and we'll preach them and, and it'll be all, you know, kumbaya, let's hug everybody, kiss everybody on the cheek. That's gross because it happened to me just a couple weeks ago and I freaked out. But listen, his name was Paul. <laughs> Serious. But there's no time, guys. We, and I'm not saying you grab people 
and you beat them in the head till they say yes to Jesus. But I believe that the church has to stand up and be the church. And I'm not saying that we, we get all bent out of shape and legalistic. I'm saying we need to stand up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to stop watering down the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe it's grace and grace alone. But can I tell you, it's only through the name of Jesus. I don't care what Oprah says. There ain't no other way to heaven except through Jesus. I don't care what Dr. Phil say. It's only through Jesus. I don't care what CNN or any of the media says. It's Jesus and Jesus only. And that's why they find it uh, they find it like they get all upset about it because it's inclusive and it, it, it's ex exclusive it's only Jesus and they want everybody listen we need to be pushing the name of Jesus it's by the name of Jesus that you came to the saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is church and he wants you tonight to be a proclaimer of the gospel by whatever means it takes We need to become that church that takes the kingdom of hell by force. Listen. You guys see it. I see it all the time. The powers of darkness are wreaking havoc on our children and a lot of times on our church because well-meaning believers who, who love Jesus have become comfortable and become complacent in who they are in Christ. I pray tonight that God would just stir us up. I pray tonight that God would put us on a track pressing toward the mark of the high call in Christ Jesus with the cross before me and nothing else matters to me except making and obtaining the prize that he set before me, church. We're in an all-out war against the darkness of this world. And people will attack you. They will come against you. They will want you to stop. You can say anything in this world you want to about God. But you better leave Jesus out of it. In the church, it will be easy for us to, to just board ourselves up in, this, in these auditoriums and And just come together and sing our amazing worship songs and, and give God the glory. But can I tell you tonight, God's wanting us to forcefully proclaim the gospel. When it's Jesus and Jesus only, nothing else and no more. I press toward the mark for the prize for the high calling in Christ Jesus. How many tonight are living that life? See, I love, I love preaching. Preaching is one of my most favorite things to do. But when I live life, and when you live life, are we really proclaiming Jesus? Really, are we, do we, what matters most to us? You see, because if you're truly pressing toward the cross, then the cross is what's going to matter. 
What are you investing your time in tonight? What are you investing your money in tonight? Who are you living your life for tonight? And you can give the Sunday school answers and all that stuff. But the reality is, who are you really living for tonight? Is it Jesus? Can you say like Paul, that I long to leave this body and go to be with the Lord? He said, for me to die is gain. You say, well, Pastor, I, I, I want to go to heaven in 30 years. You see, the disciples, they didn't live their life like that. They lived their life like they were going today. And that's what made them reckless. And that's what made the, the, them be able to move through the power of the Holy Spirit because they live life with nothing else except Jesus and him crucified. Well, pastor, we got families, we got jobs. So did they. They were no different than us, except we got air conditioning. They had the same, they went through the same junk. They're actually, we go through more stuff. You say, well, no one's trying to kill us. There's more people martyred for the gospel today than there was then. We just live in our comfortable American Christianity to where we're such a blessed nation. And God is calling us to begin to push toward the cross. We used to sing that song, the cross before me, the world behind me. Where are we at tonight, church? Do we love Jesus enough to really put him first? Are we desperate enough to do whatever it takes to proclaim the gospel? I told this story this morning in church. You got to talking just a little bit about desperation for Jesus. And back in the day when me and Robin first began to date, last week, <laughs> or 30-something years ago, she lived in Popper Bluff, Missouri. I lived at a very fancy name now, Lake Gerardo. If you grew up in my time, it was called Crump. <laughs> Lake Gerardo just sounds so much cooler. But it was a long ways from Popper Bluff, and I was a poor kid. And we started dating. Met, started dating at church camp, and we started dating, but it was, you know, it was forever. And, and, but I would do anything to be able to spend time with her. So much that I convinced a friend of mine to date a friend of hers because he had a job and a car. And they're married today. Because I would do anything to be able to go to Popper Bluff and see her. And as I was 
talking about that today, and the Holy Spirit was convicted, even me at that moment. Are you that desperate to spend that much time with me? Would you do anything for Jesus? Would you go anywhere for Jesus? Would you answer any call for Jesus? You see, it's easy to say, God, I'll do whatever you want to until he asks you to do something that's not comfortable. But if you're in a place in your life where it's all about the cross and nothing else, when you're pressing toward, toward, toward the eternity, when you're pressing toward the cross, like Paul talked about, when you're in that state, what God calls you to do, what God asks you to do does not matter because it's all about pleasing the Father and pressing toward the mark of the high call of God in Christ Jesus church what a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus it's a name to shout about church we this place is just a small part of our life we are not staying here forever we have the responsibility to press toward God to bring as many people as possible but we need to start living more about what, what we're going to be doing basically in heaven because that's what God came for to make, give us the opportunity to, to be in right relationship with him so we could spend eternity with him. I get the worship team to come. I told you I like to win. I'm pretty competitive, not as competitive as my wife. If you ever play Monopoly where they'll just give up. It's because she can outlast you time-wise. I just got sleepy and go to sleep. But I think everyone likes to win. I want us to be that, that, that basketball team, if you will, that's pressing. As we're pressing against the enemy, church, I don't want to ever let up. If the gates of hell are going to come against me, and the Bible says they will, but they will not prevail, what do I have to be afraid of? If I lose my life for the gospel, I've gained it all. <clears throat> if I die in this fight, I wake up in heaven. I win. Robin gets insurance settlement. She wins. But she wouldn't get the me first. Someone say something to me. If this was basketball, I would want to hang a hundred on the devil church. How many tonight are ready to forcefully advance the kingdom of God? How many tonight are ready to do whatever it takes to see those who you love so much, who do not know Jesus, how many of you are ready to do or give up whatever it takes to bring those people to Jesus? How many of you are willing to pray uncomfortable prayers? God, you do whatever to them it takes, God, to bring them to the place that they need to see, that they need to come to you. We need to be people who are willing to live our life for him. He said, can't we do 
I would ask you tonight to take inventory of your priorities. What's most important? And I know you can rattle off, you know, God, family, country. But is our life, is that who we really are? If we strip away all the mask and all the, the facade, are we really people who would do anything for God? You see, the early church, they would do anything for him. And I think they had such a larger appreciation for what Jesus delivered them from. You see, we, we are excited because, because we can say, God, forgive me of my sins, and we get put in right relationship. <clears throat> but we never had to live through the law of Moses and all the junk that they went through. So they were willing. They weren't going back to what they just came out of. They weren't going back to that slaughtering animals and all that stuff. They were all Jesus and they wanted to tell everybody about it. Church, can we get a fresh revelation? of who Jesus is in our own personal life and what he did for you and I. Undoubtedly, probably the majority, maybe everybody in this room tonight has, has made Jesus their Savior. <clears throat> but what about lordship? What about to that place where whatever he asks? Or what about even reading the Word of God, and he don't even ask. You just read it and say, hey, I should be doing this. I should be proclaiming the gospel. I should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I should not cower down when someone begins to talk about faith. I should be standing up and forcefully proclaiming that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am blood-bought. I am saved, and I want to tell you about this Jesus who saved me and cleansed me and washed me white as snow. I'm pressing, church. I'm pressing toward the mark. And I'm asking you tonight, will you press with me?